اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم سو ٹوڈز دی اینڈ آف سورت النمل وی لرنٹ اباؤٹ مینی پروفس آف دی ایگزٹینس دی وننس آف اللہ سبحانہ و تعالی And at the same time, we also learned about the certainty of the hereafter and all the doubts and the objections that the people had against the Prophet ﷺ, against the certainty of the hour, against the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were dealt with. First of all, we see that people are questioned that who is it that has created the skies and the earth? Who is it that answers your call when you are in a lot of danger? Right? And we see that majority of the people, even though they may not have a belief in God per se, they know that they do believe that there is a higher being, right? Who created all of this, or who knows whatever is going on, who is making all of this happen. And you will see that even the most non-religious people, what happens when they're in difficulty? What comes out of their mouth? The name of God, right? Even if it's not... Allah, they say, oh my God, isn't it? And these are people who don't really worship Allah. I mean, there could be people who are raised, for example, Christian, right? They've never been to the church, for instance. They're not considered religious, but what will happen when they are in difficulty? What will they say? Jesus Christ, right? Jeez, isn't it? I mean, there is this you know, understanding in people, this fitra in people, that there is an inclination to God, a higher being, a greater being. And we see that people are made to think that, who is it that created you? Where did you come from? You didn't make yourself. And who is making all of this happen? And instead of going about in the darkness thinking that, oh, it's a person or it's just you yourself or it was some accident that happened many billions of years ago, who is it that created you? It is who? Allah Azza wa Jal. So we see that the doubts and the confusions that people have concerning these important matters, the oneness of Allah, the existence of Allah, likewise the certainty of the hour, these matters are explained in these verses. And then the Prophet ﷺ is comforted that you have done your job of conveying the message to the people. Because he is told that you cannot make the deaf hear. Right? You cannot make the dead hear. You cannot make the blind see. When you have conveyed the message to them, if they turn away from you, it's not your fault. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted over here that you have done the best that you could, now leave their matter. To who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah number 82, that وَإِذَا وَقَعَ الْقَوْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ That when the word befalls them, what will happen? أَخْرَجْنَا لَهُمْ دَابَّةً مِنَ الْأَرْضِ تُكَلِّمُهُمْ That when the hour is near, then Allah will bring about a creature from the earth, a living creature from the earth, that will speak to the people. And this will happen when? Near the end of time, very close to the day of judgment. And what's the lesson that we learn over here? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not left anything out for the guidance of people. He has offered guidance to people. If people refuse to believe, it is entirely their fault. Allah sent prophets, He sent messengers, He sent books, He sent scriptures, He sent proof after proof after proof. And the fact is that a person who doesn't want to believe, then nothing is going to convince him. Right? Like for example, you know people argue, give me one scientific evidence that God exists and I will believe. I mean, you've got to have faith in order to believe in God. 
Right? Because our senses are limited. We cannot reach God. There is a barrier between us and the matters of the unseen. Right? And we see that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, didn't people demand miracles from him? Didn't they demand miracles? That you show us such and such miracle, we will believe. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refused to fulfill their demands. Right? How? That in the Qur'an we also learn that Prophet ﷺ is told that if a written scripture was sent down from the sky and they touched it with their own hands, still they wouldn't believe. Right? So it's not about proof. It's not about miracles. It's about what a person is seeking, what a person is desiring. If he wants guidance, for sure Allah will guide him. And if a person is just arguing for the sake of arguing, then no matter what proof and miracle and evidence is given to them, they are prevented from guidance. And then we learn that on the day of judgment, what will happen? Such people will be questioned. In ayah number 84, that, أَكَذَّبْتُمْ بِآيَاتِ وَلَمْ تُحِيطُوا بِهَا عِلْمًا That did you deny my ayat while you did not encompass them in knowledge? What do we understand from this? That anyone who denies Rasulullah wasallam, the Qur'an, the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the oneness of Allah, whatever aspect of deen he denies, he rejects. Either all of it or some of it. He is doing it on the basis of, on the basis of, ignorance. How can we come to this conclusion? The thing is that if we rely entirely on our senses, right, on our experience, alright, we cannot necessarily come to the right conclusion. Why? Because as human beings, we have limited capacity, and no matter what conclusion we come to, it has the possibility of being wrong. Isn't it? I mean, we see this scientifically also. I mean, there's things that are research-based, right? Observation-based. But what happens? One theory is refuted after another. Isn't that so? So what does it show to us? That as human beings, we cannot rely entirely on our own, our own aql, our intellect. Go ahead. Sheikh Omar Sayman has a, a series with uh, Bayan Institute called The Beginning and End. And in the first episode he talks, it's an opening about the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in a meeting I had to watch that and then we were reflecting on it. And somebody commented saying that it takes, it's not about proof, like if you can prove something, but it's all about faith. Even when it comes to uh, one person had quoted saying it takes more faith to believe that all of this came from nothing than to believe in a creator so when you and especially with science changing all the time it takes a lot of faith to believe in that than to not believe that all of this has an originator yes i mean just think of it this way if there is a cup of water right and you put a pen in it a pencil in it is it going to look straight or crooked is it going to look straight or crooked? Crooked, right? And you know, you can see it with your eyes. It looks crooked. Isn't it? Your vision, your experience tells you that the pen is crooked. Right? So if you just say that it's crooked because you see it to be crooked, you could be making a major mistake. Right? Likewise, there are certain colors that you cannot see below a certain level of water. Somebody was once mentioning that they went in a submarine, right? 
lucky them, they went in a submarine and when they reached a certain level, they were wearing a red shirt. It didn't appear to be red anymore. It was some other color. And the reason is that when you reach this level, that the light of the sun, it doesn't shine that you know perfectly and as a result, some colors are hidden. You don't see them anymore. You cannot differentiate between them and certain other colors. Right? So if a person in that submarine says, oh, it's not red. There is no red color. There is no red color. What will you say to them? No, you're wrong. Just wait for a few seconds. When we go back to the surface, then you will see red color. Right? So if a person is denying Allah's ayat, saying, oh, this scientific fact that's mentioned in the Qur'an, it's not that scientific because it contradicts modern science. And based on that, I am rejecting the Qur'an. This is foolishness. Because today, it's contradicting science. Okay, but remember that science will change. It will change over time. Allah's word is final. We as human beings, as we grow in our knowledge and our experience, we change our opinions. Right? We come to different conclusions over time. So just because something apparently contradicts logic and evidence and scientific research, we shouldn't reject the book of Allah. You wanted to say something? Uh, Assalamu alaikum. So in my chemistry class this year, I'm in grade 12. So like we were told that everything we've been learning in um, like chemistry, like biology since grade 9 were wrong. And then we had to learn like a different model. But the thing is with this model, there's still like, it's known as quantum mechanics. And there's still areas that are not completely known. And then they say that's the problem with the model. But we still have to believe like in some of the things that they found out. But then there's like so many gray areas. And like when we're being tested, we have to say, oh, like these are the things we may know, but we can't know 100%. So the same thing with like Dean, there's like things we know as Ghaib. So like we're supposed to believe in Ghaib, but when people present like the argument that, well, in religion there's no proof, well, the same thing in science, there's like a lot more areas that we can't exactly. like, completely know. Exactly. So this is the whole point. وَلَمْ تُحِيطُوا بِهَا as human beings, we can never fully encompass something in our knowledge. We cannot fully 100% understand or know its grasp, its reality. So based on our little knowledge, should we deny? Should we deny? No, if we deny something based on our little knowledge, that's just foolishness. Go ahead. Uh, in psychology and in neuroscience, there's a complete study on just perception because everybody perceives something completely differently. Mm-hmm. Not only is if there's you know one person seeing the pen from this angle, the other person seeing it from another angle. And this is also where you figure out where people are colorblind. Everyone sees something slightly differently than the other person's because everyone's eyes are slightly different and so they receive the wavelengths of light and color in slightly different ways. So this is an entire study, you know, what you see isn't exactly what the other person sees. And so clearly we're studying how we don't see the same thing. So how can you say that anything is constant or, you know, it's 100% true just based on how we all see things differently? Exactly. The only thing that is constant is the word of Allah Azza wa Right? So anytime you come across something that makes you doubtful, anytime, recently somebody asked me that, you know, there's so much going on about against the Quran, and you know, you, every now and then you hear somebody or leaving Islam, or you find out about somebody who has found faults in the Quran, and there's lectures and videos and God knows what all on this. How is it that you protect your faith? And this is what I always remind myself of. وَلَمْ تُحِيطُوا بِهَا عِلْمًا 
we cannot encompass everything in knowledge. As human beings, we are limited and we all need to be humble enough to accept this reality of ours. And if we don't accept this reality of ours, then this is pride and arrogance going beyond the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for us. And because of that, a person will reject the Creator, a person will reject the Qur'an, the Messenger, and the list goes on. As she said, uh, we perceive everything differently. But not only that, if something has been explained to four people and they perceive differently, when that thing explained, one person can change it. If they want to believe, they can change what they were wrong about it. But if the person is determined not to believe, yeah. you cannot make them understand. And yeah. that's what Allah says always, whoever want to guide it, they will be guided because it's, your, it's the way you wanted to do it. So yeah. it's perception. Yeah. So it's all about what a person wants themselves. وَوَقَعَ الْقَوْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِمَا ظَلَمُوا وَوَقَعَ الْقَوْلُ And the قول, the word, meaning the decree, will waqa'a, meaning it will befall, it will happen, meaning it will be certain, عَلَيْهِمْ on them, بِمَا ظَلَمُوا Because of the wrong that they have done, فَهُمْ لَا يَنْطِقُونَ So they will not be able to speak. Meaning on the Day of Judgment, when the people who denied Allah, they will be asked, that did you deny my ayat without any knowledge? What were you doing? ماذا كنتم تعملون? Or what is it that you were doing? So at that time, their guilt, their foolishness is established and وَقَعَ الْقَوْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ The decree of punishment is wajib on them. Meaning they're proven guilty. They are deserving of punishment. They're not innocent. بِمَا ظَلَمُوا Because of the zulm that they did. What was the zulm they did? Rejecting Allah's ayat without complete knowledge. فَهُمْ لَا يَنْطِقُونَ So they shall not speak. Now, their mouths will be sealed shut. They will not be able to defend themselves. They will not be able to argue. They will be rendered speechless. أَلَمْ يَرَوْا Allah says, do they not see? أَنَّا that indeed we جَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ We have made the night. لِيَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ So that they may rest in it. يَسْكُنُوا From سَكَنَ يَسْكُنُوا To become still, literally, Maskan from the same root, a home, because when you go around the whole town and then you go home and you're still, you're in one place. So, لِيَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ So that they can rest in it. The night is for the purpose of resting. وَالنَّهَارَ And the day, مُبْصِرَ One giving basal, meaning one that enables us to see. Allah has made the day such that we can see. Meaning, even if our eyes are perfectly fine in the darkness of the night, we cannot see. We human beings do not have night vision, do we? We don't have it, right? When is it that we can see? When there is light. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has created the night, and He has also created the day. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ Indeed, in that are surely signs. لِقَوْمِ يؤمنون For people who believe. Meaning, if they really wanted guidance, if they really wanted to recognize the truth, they could have recognized it by just looking at the night and the day. But they didn't pay attention. The signs, the evidences, the proofs are all there. The proofs of what? Of the oneness of God, of the existence of God, of the truth of His Word. They're all around us, within us. We ourselves are Allah's creation. Our own existence is proof of God, of a Creator. So a person doesn't really have to go very far in order to know 
if God exists or not. No, all you need to see is just look at the night and look at the day. Just think about your own origin. This is sufficient as proof. وَيَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ وَيَوْمَ And on the day when يُنْفَخُ It shall be blown فِي الصُورِ Into the trumpet فَفَزِعَ When the horn will be blown, then what will happen? فَفَزِعَ Then he will be terrified. فَزَيْعَيْنَ Scared, panic-stricken. Who will be scared? Who will be terrified? مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ Whoever that is in the skies and whoever that is in the earth, every single creature will be terrified when the trumpet will be blown. إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ Except for the one whom Allah wills. Meaning, Allah will protect some, some of His creation from fear at the time when the trumpet will be blown. They will not be panic-stricken. They will be at peace. They will be secure and safe. And who are these people? They are those whom Allah will give security to. إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَكُلٌّ And all, meaning all the creation, أَتَوْهُ They will come to Him. دَاخِرِين Ones humbled. Plural of the word, دَاخِر From the root, دَالْخَارَ دُخُور دُخُور is to be utterly humiliated. Like really made small, like no, no izzah, no honor, no worth. And this is the reality of people on the day of judgment. That when the first, remember that the trumpet will be blown two times, right? So the first time the trumpet will be blown, what will happen? Those who are alive on the earth at that time, they shall die. And then what will happen? The trumpet will be blown another time. And that is the blowing for the purpose of resurrection. Meaning the second blowing of the trumpet will cause resurrection. And that is what is being mentioned over here. That when the trumpet will be blown the second time, people are being resurrected, what will happen? They'll be panic-stricken. And all will come to Allah humbled in utter humility. And when will this day be? It will be the day of, of Friday that the trumpet will be blown. The Prophet ﷺ said, amongst the most excellent of your days is Friday. On it, Adam was created. On it, he died. On it, the last trumpet will be blown. And on it, the shout will be made, meaning for the purpose of resurrection. In Surah Al-Zumar, Ayah 68, we learn, وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَالصَّعِقَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ نُفِخَ فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ يَنْظُرُونَ that the trumpet will be blown the first time, everyone will be terrified. The second time the trumpet will be blown and everyone will be standing, risen out of their graves, resurrected. In Surah Yasin Ayah 51 we learn, وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَإِذَا هُمْ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاثِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَنْسِلُونَ The trumpet will be blown and at once from their graves to their Lord they will hasten. Right now, they live as though there is no God. They walk as though they are free. But what will happen on the Day of Judgment? They will only go to who? Allah Azza wa Jal. In Surah Maryam, Ayah 93, we learn, In kullu man fi samawati wal ardi illa atir rahmani abada. There is no creature except that it is a servant to the Most Merciful. Meaning, even if a person rejects Allah, still he is Allah's servant. Still he is Allah's servant. So he can never run away from Allah. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 52, we learn, يَوْمَ يَدْعُوكُمْ فَتَسْتَجِيبُونَ بِحَمْدِهِ The day that He will call you and you will respond with praise of Him. Right now, there are those who refuse to praise Him. But on the day of judgment, they will have no choice but to 
go to him. Kullun atawhu dakhirin. Watara jibala And you see the mountains. Jibal is a plural of Jabal. Tahsabuha, you think it. From hasb. You think it to be jamidatan. Rigid. Solid. Frozen. Jamida. From jumud. Jim, meem, dal. What does jumud mean? To be stiff, unmoving. Meaning something that you cannot mold, something that you cannot shape easily, break easily. It's stiff. Like for example, when something is frozen, a similar word is used. So like for example, snow. Can you shape it? Can you make a ball out of it? Snow. You can do it, right? But ice. What can you do with ice? Can you make a ball out of it? No. Your your hand might break because of ice, Right? But it's difficult to break ice. So, jamidatan, you think the mountains to be motionless, solid, firm, rigid, standing just in one place, unmoving. Wahiya, while it, meaning the mountains, what is their reality? Tamurru, it moves. Tamurru, mim ra ra. It moves, it passes. Marra sahab, like the moving, like the passing of the clouds. When the clouds move above us in the sky, when you see them moving from one place to the other, do you actually feel the movement in the sense that is there any noise? Is there? I mean, if the same amount of water that's up in the clouds, if that was moving on earth, would we feel its movement? For sure we would, right? But clouds, I mean, they're always going from here to there, forming, breaking, coming together, right? Right? And it's such a subtle movement. So subtle that you don't hear it. Sometimes you don't even see it. Many times you can see the clouds moving because they're moving so fast. But other times you don't even see the movement. Isn't it? You look up at the sky and it looks one way. And then after 10 minutes you look at it again, completely different sky. Right? The colors are changed. The size of the clouds has changed. The location of the clouds has changed. Everything's changed. Completely different sky. Right? So, وَهِيَ تَمُرُّ مَرَّ sahab, Meaning very quietly. سُنْعَ اللَّهِ This is the sunr, the craft, the work of Allah. الَّذِي The one who atqana, Who has perfected كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Everything. atqana, itqan, itqan From تَاقَافْ noon. itqan is to perfect something, to do it proficiently. With excellence and strength. Right? One is that you do something, yeah, kind of, okay. You know, for example, think of a computer that's just average. Not even average, below average. Very low memory. Everything is just very low, poor quality. Alright? And then, you compare that with a computer that is a thousand times better. Okay? I'm not going to take names over here because people are very particular about which computers they like. Right? So, you know, you feel the difference. One computer you sit in front of and you're like, piece of garbage. You know, you have to wait for it to turn on. You're sitting, waiting, it's turning on, okay. And then you're like, why isn't this in the dump already? Why is it still here? Because it's so slow. It's hardly functioning. And then there's another one. It's like lightning. You know, so fast. So, itqan is to do something with strength, with proficiency, properly, perfectly. Everything's together. This is itqan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His creation, what He has made, how has He made it? Alladhi atqana kulla shay. He has perfected everything that He has created. I mean, just look at our bodies. 
how much we abuse our bodies, literally. The kind of food we give to our bodies, the kind of environments we sleep in or we work in or we stay in. But does our body snap like this? No, it doesn't. It's so strong that it takes many, many years for a body to start deteriorating. Isn't it? I mean, look at a doll. Okay, a doll. You just pull one arm and it's out. Out, completely out. Is a human being like that? No, okay, you could dislocate maybe, dislocate a shoulder, dislocate an elbow, but it's not that the arm is going to come out in your hand. It doesn't work like that. Allah, when He has created something, He has created it with perfection. Mountains. This is why it's so difficult for us to fight nature. Isn't it? I mean, this is the constant struggle that we have, that even if we have built jungles and jungles of concrete, nature makes its way. Doesn't it? I mean, think about a house that's somewhere up in the sky, in the sense that in a tall building, and then the windows are sealed shut, and it's spick and span. But then what happens? It gets infested with different creatures, whether it's roaches or bed bugs or you name it. There's no escape from it. So Allah, the way He has created His creation, how has He done it? With itqan, with perfection. إِنَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَفْعَلُونَ Indeed, He is acquainted. He is fully aware of that which you do. Now in this ayah, what is being mentioned? Mountains are being mentioned. And this ayah can be understood in two ways. One is that وَتَرَى الْجِبَالَ You see the mountains, تَحْسَبُهَا جَامِتَ You think that mountains are stationary. They don't move. But Allah says, وَهِيَ تَمُرُّ مَرَّ السَّحَابِ they are actually moving. Moving? As in moving from one continent to the other? No. Moving as in they're constantly changing. Very slowly and quietly that you don't even feel the change. You don't even feel it. Right? I mean, if you look at how mountains are formed, how mountains are formed, it takes millions and millions of years, right? Of constant, gradual, very slow and quiet change Right right now there's a mountain, Allahu A'lam, within another hundred or thousand years, it might not be there or it might be completely different. The landscape might be completely different. So you think that they're still, but they're not still. What's the point? What's the lesson over here? Exactly what we were discussing before. You look at something, you think its reality is what you have perceived it to be. But it's not the full story. It's not the full story. There's more to the story. Right? So don't deny something because you haven't had the whole story. You haven't known the whole story. Another way of understanding this ayah is that you see the mountains and you think that they are fixed in place. You know, when you see these mountains, you wonder, how will the day of judgment happen? I mean, the Quran talks about the earth being flattened completely. You know, the Prophet ﷺ said that the earth will be like a white piece of bread. How? You know, a person looks at the mountains and he wonders, how is it possible? I don't think so. Allah says, you think they're still? You think they can withstand the day of judgment? No. Even they shall be blown away. On the day of judgment, mountains will be blown up. They will be like clouds, blown up. Alright? And rock or anything like that, when it's blown up, what do you see in the air? Dust. It's almost, and when you see it from a distance, it looks like a cloud. 
So this is what's going to happen to the mountains on the day of judgment. What do you think will happen to you then? And so basically the tectonic plates are like the crashing amongst them is what caused the mountains to move or to be created in the first place. And they're constantly moving. They're not staying in one place. We have, I think, like five big, like enormous plates that are covering the earth. And there's two points in the earth, one in which the earth is actually expanding and um, the tectonic plates are moving away from each other. I think it's three centimeters per year. And at the other end of the earth, they're actually crashing into each other, like closing off the distance. So, I mean, we can't see this. We don't feel it happening, but it's constantly moving. And all of the mountains are built, like they're built on top of these faults, like the, where the plates crash into each other. Mm-hmm. So if the plates themselves are moving, then the mountains are definitely not stable because they're on top of the plates and they're also moving. So when we look at the mountains on the surface, it seems like they're still motionless. But when you just pay a little close attention to how the mountains are, I mean, these are the things that we discover, right? So as we grow in our experience and our knowledge, yes, we learn about many things which further strengthen and prove what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. But we don't really need all these scientific evidences. Because if we just understand our reality, that our perception, our knowledge is limited, it would be easy to accept the word of Allah. إِنَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَفْعَلُونَ In Surah At-Tur, Ayah 9 and 10, Allah says, يَوْمَ تَمُورُ السَّمَاءُ مَوْرًا وَتَسِيرُ الْجِبَالُ سَيْرًا On the day, the sky will sway with circular motion. The sky will sway with circular motion, meaning it will go round and round. And the mountains will pass on departing. They're not going to stay standing the way they are standing right now. مَنْ جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ On that day, whoever, man, whoever, jaa, he came, بِالْحَسَنَةِ with a good deed, فَلَهُ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهَا فَلَهُ then for him will be خَيْرٌ better مِّنْهَا than it. He has brought a good deed, and what is it that he will receive for that good deed? Better than what he has brought. Meaning the reward will not be equal to the good that a person has done. It will be it will be much better and more than the deeds that a person has brought. This is the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the rahmah of Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divided his mercy into how many parts? How many? A hundred. And one of those parts. He has sent where? In this world. Right? Because of which people and animals, they are kind and affectionate to each other. 99 parts of His mercy are reserved for which day? For the day of judgment. And it's because of that mercy that when a person will come on that day with one good deed, Allah will give him much better and much more than what a person has brought. فَلَهُ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهَا وَهُمْ and they مِنْ فَزَعٍ From the fear, the terror, يَوْمَئِذٍ of that day, آمِنُونَ Ones who will be safe. So from this ayah, what do we learn? On the day of judgment, those who bring good will be safe. In Surah Al-An'am, ayah 160, we learn, مَنْ جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا Whoever brings a good deed, he will have ten times its like on that day. Meaning the reward will be multiplied how many times? Ten times. Just think of it this way. If you go for an exam, 
Okay? Are you already worried and stressed out because of the exam? Hmm? Okay. What if you are addicted to water? In the sense that you have to keep drinking water. You know some people are like that? MashaAllah, very good. So what if you need water to keep going? And when you go for the exam, you realize that you forgot your water bottle in the car. So you don't have your water. And then you realize you don't even have your pencil case. And then you realize that you were sitting right in the front, right under the eyes of the TA or whoever is you know, there. Right? Not somewhere in the middle, hidden in the crowd, but right under her eyes. Would that increase you in your fear? Would that stress you out even more? I remember once I went for an exam somewhere and the lady treated me so harshly. Honestly, I don't know what happened to her. May Allah guide her. And I hope inshallah she finds uh, you know, good ways of getting over her stress and everything. But it seemed like she had a very bad day, a very bad week and she took it all out on me. I failed the exam because I was just crying and crying and crying. I couldn't. I was terrified. And generally I don't feel like that. But it just really got to me. It really got to me. So when are we afraid? If we are afraid, we'll fail, right? And when is it that we are afraid? When we are not fully prepared for something. Right? When we are dealt with harshly. So over here we see that who will be free of fear on the Day of Judgment? Someone who's brought what is required. And what is that? Hasana. Because on the Day of Judgment we will go alone. Can we take our money with us? Can we take our belongings with us? No. All people will be in such a sorry state that all people will be unclothed. Alone. Yani imagine the miserable condition that a person will not even have clothes to cover himself. Yani this just shows how needy and what a miserable condition each person will be in. And Aisha radiallahu when she asked the Prophet ﷺ that people will be unclothed, how is that possible? And the Prophet ﷺ said that the matter is much more serious. No one is going to even look at another. No one will even have you know, this thought of looking at another person. This is how afraid people are going to be on the Day of Judgment. But what is it that will bring security and calmness to a person that day? This realization that I have my baggage with me. I have my hasanat. And we have been sent in this world to collect hasanat. Because no matter what other thing we collect in this dunya, we cannot take it with it when we go. We cannot take it with it. It's not going with us to our grave. It's not going with us on the Day of Judgment. مَن جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهَا وَهُمْ مِنْ فَزَعٍ يَوْمَئِذٍ آمِنُونَ They shall be safe that day. In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 103, we learn, لَا يَحْزُنُهُمُ الْفَزَعُ الْأَكْبَرُ وَتَتَلَقَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ هَذَا يَوْمُكُمُ الَّذِي كُنْتُمْ تُوْعَدُونَ that they'll be received by the angels. This is your day that you were promised. The angels will receive them and congratulate them. In a hadith which is in Sahih At-Tarheeb wa Targheeb, the Prophet ﷺ said, amongst people who are unknown will come some people, meaning amongst some people who are considered strangers, right? Amongst them will be those who will have come together 
leaving their tribes. Meaning, these are people who don't really have any connection with one another, but they have come together sincerely for the sake of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of the deen. And the hadith continues, that on the day of judgment, Allah will seat them on pillars of light. And He will enlighten their faces, and their garments will also be of light. So they will be clothed on the day of judgment. In the hashr, Allah will clothe them, He will honor them. On the day of judgment, the Prophet ﷺ said, all people will be afraid except for them. These are the awliya of Allah, on whom there shall be no fear, nor shall they regret. May Allah make us amongst them. وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ And whoever comes with an evil deed, then what will happen? فَكُبَّتْ Then it will be toppled, it will be overthrown, it will be overturned, it will be turned upside down. كُبَّتْ وُجُوهُهُمْ Their faces finnar in the fire. And it will be said, هَلْ تُجْزَوْنَ Are you being recompensed? إِلَّا Except for مَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ That which you used to do. Is this not something that you are deserving of? Are you being wronged when you are being given this punishment? What does it mean then? That if a person is punished on the day of judgment, whose fault is it? His fault. He has brought it upon himself. So what is it that we need to focus on? Collecting good deeds. And avoiding sayyiat. And this is the season of good deeds. What is the first 10 days of the hijjah Right? Because these are the best days of worldly life. Meaning in the entire worldly existence, okay, from the beginning of the world until the end of it, these 10 days of the year are the best days ever. Best days. There's no better time than this. There's no better time than these 10 days. And when a person performs a good deed in these days then that good deed is most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in hadith, what do we learn? Even more than jihad. Meaning if a person, just imagine the sahaba, think about the time when they went for tabuk. Think about the time when they went for badr, when they went for uhud. That's a noble deed, right? Isn't it? But if a person does a good deed, in the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah, it is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the Prophet ﷺ told us that فَأَكْثِرُوا فِيهِنَّ In these days, do kathra of, you know, excessively do tahmeed, tahleel, takbir. Three things he instructed us to do. What is takbir? Saying Allahu Akbar. What is tahmeed? Saying Alhamdulillah. And what is tahleel? La ilaha illallah. Okay. Everybody say takbirat two times. Together. Everybody. La ilaha illallah When the sahaba did takbirat the masjid would vibrate It literally would vibrate and I'm sure there is a lot of us over here So come on say it properly Allahu akbar Allahu akbar La ilaha illallah Allahu akbar Allahu akbar walillahi alhamd Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar La ilaha illallahu, Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd Innama, indeed not but Umirtu, I have been commanded Meaning I have only been instructed 
an a'buda that I worship. Rabb hadhihi al-balda, the Lord of this city. Which city? Makkah. The Prophet ﷺ is instructed to declare over here that I have been ordered to worship the Lord of this city, which is Makkah. Now Allah is the Lord of all, isn't it? Not just the city of Makkah. Why is this mentioned that He is the Lord of this city? In order to honor the city, the city of Makkah. الَّذِي حَرَّمَهَا He is the one who has made it sacred. حَرَّمَ He has made it sacred. Meaning the city of Makkah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has declared that it should be a secure sanctuary. Which means that no human blood should be shed over there. No person may be wronged. None of its prey can be hunted. The trees, the plants should be safe. The people, their lives should be safe over there. What's the message over here? You see, this surah was revealed towards the end of the Meccan era. And the Prophet ﷺ, his life was at risk. So many Muslims, their lives were in danger. So the people are being reminded that, what are you doing? Allah has made the city sacred. And what are we doing? We are basically worshipping the Lord of the city. Is that a crime? وَلَهُ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ And to him belongs everything. وَأُمِرْتُ And I have been ordered أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ That I should be of the Muslims, meaning those who submit to Allah. And that is what I'm doing. I'm surrendering to Allah. And since when is that a crime? So why do you oppose me? وَأَنْ And that أَتْلُوَ الْقُرْآنَ I have been ordered that I should أَتْلُو I should recite, I should do tilawa of the Qur'an for as long as I live. I recite for myself, I recite to you. This is what the Prophet ﷺ was instructed to do. What about us? Are we supposed to recite the Qur'an also? Hmm? For who? Recite for what purpose? For ourselves. Right? Because every letter of the Qur'an that a person recites, how many hasanat does he get? Ten. Alif is a letter, Lam is a letter, Meme is a letter. Right? So, Atul Qur'an, I should recite the Qur'an for myself, for others. فَمَنِ اِهْتَدَى Then whoever is guided, فَإِنَّمَا يَهْتَدِي لِنَفْسِهِ Then he is only guided for himself, meaning for the benefit of himself. If anyone accepts guidance, who is he going to benefit? Himself. وَمَنْ ضَلَّ And whoever goes astray, فَقُلْ Then say, إِنَّمَا Only أَنَا I am مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ Of those who warn. Meaning I am only one of the warners. My duty is to recite the Qur'an to people so as to convey it to them. Whoever benefits, he benefits himself. In Surah Al-Ra'd, Ayah 40, Allah says, فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ الْبَلَاغُ وَعَلَيْنَا الْحِسَابُ Your duty is to convey and we have to call to account. وَقُلْ And say, Alhamdulillah. All praise, all praise, true praise and thanks is for who? Lillah, due to Allah. Only He is worthy, deserving of it. Sayurikum ayati. Sa, soon, very soon. Yurikum, He will show you. Ayati, His signs. He's just going to show you His signs. Fatarifunaha. So you will recognize it. Allah will show you His miracles, His signs, His proofs, and you will recognize them. Meaning these signs are undeniable. Undeniable. There's no way that you can reject them, that you can refuse them. وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِغَافِلٍ And your Lord is not unaware. عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ Of that which you do. So the Prophet ﷺ, he conveyed the truth. And the people at that time saw the signs of his prophethood. Right? 
فَتَعْرِفُونَهَا You will recognize them. There's no way that you can continue to deny. And isn't that what happened? So many people who were, you know, at the forefront of the opposition against Rasulullah ﷺ, these are the very people who embraced Islam. What happened to Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhu? Right? What happened to Abu Sufyan radiallahu anhu? Right? What happened to Amr bin al-As radiallahu anhu? You know about their stories. How these were the people who led the battles. Didn't they? Whether it was Badr or Uhud or so many other... I mean, think about Uhud. What happened? Khalid bin Walid, he is the one who harmed the Muslims so much. Right? He is the one who collected the enemy, the mushrikeen as they were retreating and brought them back. The battle of Ahzab. Who was the main person? Abu Sufyan. Wasn't he? When the Muslims went to Abyssinia, who went after them? Amr bin al-As Right? But what happened? These are the people who also embraced Islam. فَتَعْرِفُونَهَا Undeniable. And we see that even today, you know, we think that, oh, for example, science and this modern atheism is something new. It's not new. It's really not new. Right? These big names out there today, they're not new. It's happened before. And Islam has survived that before. And it will survive this face of falsehood even today. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected, He has strengthened His religion with ayat. فَتَعْرِفُونَهَا وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ In Surah Fussilat Ayah 53 we learn, سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ We will show them our signs in the horizons and within themselves. Beyond them and within themselves. We will show them the signs until it becomes clear to them that it is the truth. In Surah Al-Dhariyat, Ayah 20 and 21, وَفِي الْأَرْضِ آيَاتٌ لِلْمُوقِنِينَ وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ In the earth are signs for those who believe with conviction. And also in yourselves there are signs. Will you not see them? So the Prophet ﷺ is reassured over here that do not give much importance to those who oppose you. Meaning don't be afraid of them. Don't feel intimidated by them. You have the haq. Allah will strengthen you. Be firm upon this truth. And say, Alhamdulillah. All praise is for Allah. And whatever these people are doing against you, don't get worried because of that. Surah Ibrahim, ayah 42, Allah says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ Never think that Allah is unaware of what the wrongdoers do. He knows about what they're doing, about their activities about how hostile, how arrogant they are, how openly and rudely they oppose you. Allah is not unaware of that. So rely upon Him and He will grant you success. Let's listen to the recitation of these ayat. أَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّا جَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ لِيَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ وَالنَّهَارَ مُبْصِرًا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ وَيَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ فَفَزِعَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَكُلٌّ أَتَوْهُ دَاخِرِينَ 
وَتَرَى الْجِبَالَ تَحْسَبُهَا جَامِدَةً وَهِيَ تَمُرُّ مَرَّ السَّحَابِ صُنْعَ اللَّهِ الَّذِي أَتْقَنَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ إِنَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَفْعَلُونَ مَنْ